Welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalzer, joined as always by JP, John Paulson. How are we doing today, John? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing today, Anthony? Good, good. Ready to talk about some more divisions. We've been doing that over the last couple of weeks now and looking forward to getting to the AFC uh, South and the AFC West. And we'll do that by asking and trying to answer some of the burning fantasy questions for each team. Before we do that, though, John, tell us about the music. Yes, this is a track called Rose by Alan Raymond. It's off his 2018... Uh, <laughs> 2018, I'm sorry, I just saw the name of the album. Uh, 2018 album, Harry Hardon. Um, it's the <laughs> I number understand two why you track. got tripped up. You know, I, had, I didn't look at the album title prior to <laughs> picking the song. So uh, it's the number two track, Rose. It's a really good, good track. It was like a minor hit last year on alt-rock radio, so um, I don't think it really took off. So I thought I'd feature it on the pod here and put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find on Spotify. You can also find it in any of the podcast posts. There's a link for it in uh, any of the posts on the uh, 444.com website when we post the uh, post the pods there. So uh, check it out. And don't forget, that album is Harry Hardon. <laughs> with a dash. You want to seek that out with the dash. Yeah, make sure you <laughs> put the dash in there. Uh, before we preview a- the AFC South and AFC West, want to let you know and remind you that our early bird pricing ends at the end of this month. I've told you the last couple of weeks, we're right at the end of the month now. So there are only a few days left. Not only will you get 17 to 20% off your subscription based on what subscription you go with, you'll also get a free $35 coupon for any FFPC league. You can join one of our 30, one of our, uh, one of their, excuse me, 35 best ball leagues or one of their big money leagues. Considering the cheapest plan at 4 for 4 is 24 bucks, it's really a no-brainer to sign up. So again, if you if you do our early bird pricing at 444.com, not only are you going to get 17 to 20% off your subscription, you also get that free $35 coupon for any league at FFPC. Join one of their $35 best ball leagues or one of their big money leagues and it's just it's a no-brainer plus you get a, gr- a great price on our early bird subscriptions. We're recording this on June 19th, just a note here, June 19th, but it's going to go live on June 26th. So if there's any breaking news or anything that changes dramatically with teams that we're about to discuss, don't get too bent out of shape. We had a plan ahead a little bit with John going on vacation and uh, me doing some summer plans as well. So we're taping on June 19th. It'll post on June 26th. So if you're like, hey, wait a minute, this player got hurt or whatever it is, uh, we wouldn't know about it as of June 19th. So We'll address it once we do another pod. Let's start off with the Texans in the AFC South. Deshaun Watson is the top five quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins, no-brainer first-round receiver, John. But what about Lamar Miller? He's trying to hold off Deontay Foreman. And then who's the number two option behind Hopkins? Is it going to be Will Fuller or Kiki Kuti? Well, to, to tackle the backfield, I think you're looking at Miller for another year as the starter. I saw some rumblings that he might get cut because Foreman's going to come back so strong. But, you know, he's coming back from an Achilles injury. Uh, Miller was actually 
pretty good. He's been effective whenever Watson has been at quarterback. Um, so I think he's going to be another. He's going to be the RB one for another year. I think you're probably looking at RB two numbers for him if he stays healthy. He gets the volume. Doesn't score a ton of touchdowns. Doesn't catch a ton of passes. But he's been fairly effective and he pretty consistent in that role. And he's going fairly late uh, for a starting running back right now. I think you can get him in the sixth round. Uh, he's just. I think everybody's kind of over him. He's one of these players that's kind of burned people. He've he's been, you know, going in the third, fourth round for a few years and just doesn't tend to live up to that hype or show any sort of top five, top ten potential. So um, I think drafters are kind of fearful of Foreman's return and are not drafting him too early. But I think as a third running back in the sixth round, I think he's a fair price there. And then as far as the receiving core. I went back and looked at the splits. It's a small sample size. I'm just going to warn you, but uh, Will Fuller played seven games last year, three um, without Kiki Kuti and four with him. In the three games without uh, QT, he averaged six catches for 113 yards and a touchdown on 8.7 targets per game. So I would say that's pretty good. Anthony, what do you think? Six for um, 113 and a touchdown? I would say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was absolutely. pretty good. And he's always you know been good with Watson in the lineup. But then in the... In the three or in the four games with uh, Kiki QT, he averaged 3.5 catches for 41 yards and uh, 0.25 touchdowns on 4.8 targets. So it's small sample size, but targets dropped from 8.7 to 4.8 once QT was in the lineup. Uh, Looking at the QT side of things, he averaged 5.3 catches for 49 yards, 0.25 touchdowns on 7.5 targets per game in four games with Fuller. Without Fuller, he averaged 3.5 catches for 46 yards and no touchdowns on 5.5 targets. He was, he was actually better, a little bit better, or actually significantly better with Fuller um, from a scoring standpoint. Um, targets were up with Fuller as well from 5.5 without to 7.5 with. Uh, so there is a case here that QT, if healthy, Fuller, if healthy, this is going to be a tough one to gauge week to week you could argue that qt is the safer play given what happened in the short uh small sample size last year um i would bet that fuller is going to play better than he did with qt last year if if they're both healthy uh i don't think it's going to be such a stark set of splits but it certainly is alarming that his targets dropped from 8.7 to 4.8 once uh, qt uh, entered the lineup All right. In Indianapolis, Andrew Luck is back to full strength and Marlon Mack has secured the RB1 job. T.Y. Hilton is a top 10 fantasy receiver, as we know. How are the targets going to be distributed to the rest of the receiving cores, though? You got Devin Funches, who was added, Paris Campbell was added, Jack Doyle's back, and then Eric Ebron is coming off a 13-touchdown season in that two-tight-end system that Frank Reich likes to run. Well, I still like Hilton. I know that all these added... added, um weapons might pinch Hilton's targets that's possible he played injured last year late last year especially and still produced I, th- I think that some of this receiving talent will help him uh, as far as the, the amount of attention he's able or has to get from the defense so um, I'm not too worried about Hilton I think he's a good third round receiver um, I, I have some more splits for you especially regarding Eric Ebron, because in five games with Jack Doyle in the lineup, Ebron averaged 3.6 uh, catches for 46 yards, 1.4 touchdowns. 
So a lot of touchdowns with, with Doyle in the lineup, but the, the targets were only 4.4. In 10 games without Doyle in the lineup, he averaged 4.8 catches for 52 yards, 0.6 touchdowns on 8.8 targets per game. So again, we have a player who gets twice as many targets uh, with, another, with another player is out. And, you know, Doyle's probably heading into the season, uh, you know, expecting to play 14, 16 games. So looking at Doyle, he averaged 4.4 catches for 40 yards, 0.4 touchdowns, 5.8 targets, and that was with five games with Ebron. So when the, both of them played, Doyle out-targeted Ebron 5.8 to 4.4, and the only thing that saved Ebron in those games really was the 1.4 touchdowns per game. Uh, and he's not going to repeat that. That's where we get back to Devin Funches being uh, added. He's he's got size. He's the beat writers have been talking about him uh, working well in the red zone so far in in OTAs. Uh, so you're looking at Ebron's like 13 touchdowns from last year. You know he'll be lucky I think if he catches eight to ten. Um, so he's going to get pinched. That's why Ebron's going a little bit later in drafts than he, than he probably should be based on what his production was last year. And then I think Campbell is going to be a guy that they can move around the, the formation, get the ball to him in different ways, kind of a toy that they can play with, but they don't have to force him the ball given the experience and, and uh, weapons that he have at receiver now. All right, moving on to the Titans. This seems like a team that is looking for an offensive identity again because they continue to either rotate head coaches or uh, offensive coordinators. And Marcus Mariota, say what you want about his kind of disappointing career up until this point, but the guy's had a new offensive coordinator, I think, every single year that he's he's been in, in the league, and he's going to have a new play caller yet again this year with Matt LaFleur going to the Green Bay Packers to become their next head coach. So they made several investments in the passing game. They signed Adam Humphreys. They drafted A.J. Brown. Do you think that Mariota can put it all together this season? He threw uh, 45 touchdowns in his first 27 games. He only has 24 touchdowns, though, in his last 29 games played. What's your read on Marcus Mariota? Yeah, he's sort of gone from a like a fantasy darling, and you know, because he could run the ball as well. He could score with his feet, and with those – 45 touchdowns in his first 27 games, he was producing at a pretty high level, and we were just waiting for him to have a full healthy season. And he just hasn't been able to do that. So that's why he's going outside the top 24 at his position now. I mean, I think there's a case you could make that he's going to finish, you know, in the teens or even close to QB1 numbers if he can get back to his early career form and continue to run the ball and just have a little bit more success uh, throwing touchdowns. I don't know if he's ever going to be a big yardage guy in terms of passing the ball, but they did, as you said, make some investments in that. Um, I think if you're getting into like two quarterback leagues, super flex leagues, he's not a bad third quarterback to have. Um, and there's certainly a possibility that he's in the streaming conversation as we get into September, October, if he's playing well, is healthy, and the offense starts to take off a little bit, uh, we could start looking at him as a streaming option when he uh, has good matchups. Derrick Henry rushed for over 1,000 yards last year, but 55% of that came in the team's first four games. Are you buying him as a third-round pick? I'm not. I'm staying away from him. Uh, I don't necessarily – I'm not necessarily – super down on him but there's just other running backs there that I would rather have um, even getting into the fourth round just players I trust more uh, I think Henry's got a lot of talent but as you mentioned a ton of that yardage came t- towards the end of the year and 
prior to that, he was hitting the waiver wire, <laughs> if you can believe wow. it. I mean, he ended up with 1,000 yards rushing, and won, he certainly won leagues for people. But I saw him on several waiver wires last year, so before they before they really started to feed him. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, what their plans are. I end up, I look at my drafts, and Deion Lewis is coming up as you know a pretty good value pick as we get into double digit rounds now. He's available very late, you know. If I think the value is probably there in the, in that backfield, if something happens to Henry, you have Deion Lewis now um, getting RB one touches, and he's a good player. So that's where I think the value is. Uh, you know, sort of banking on injury or, or, or Henry maybe faltering and, and playing like he did at the start of last year. Moving on to the Jaguars, Nick Foles has arrived in Jacksonville. He's the hope to save the passing game after Blake Bortles didn't do much over his five years there. What does this offense look like now with Foles at the helm? Well, I like I like Nick Foles as a quarterback. Uh, I'd like to see how he does now, not with the Eagles, who had just a ton of weapons. Uh, when he was there, and I think that this offense will be pretty similar in terms of run-pass split as last year. Uh, they're going to try to you know control the ball in the running game, throw when they can, and hope their defense can win games for them. I, relative to the league, they're still going to run heavy. Maybe the total runs go down. They probably do because Blake Bortles is not there to scramble. He, he would run the ball quite a bit from the quarterback position. Nick Foles is barely going to run the ball at all. Like He's really slow. So the, the pass attempts for the team will go up, I think, and that should help uh, the receivers there. And he's also more accurate than Bortles. He's just a better quarterback. So that should help him as well. So I think there is some value. Um, D.D. Westbrook uh, led, led the team last year. Uh, Chris Conley has been getting rave reviews, uh, and apparently he's the go-to guy right now for Nick Foles in uh, spring training. So uh, he's going very, very late. You can get him extremely late in, in best ball formats. Uh, he's not a bad guy just to sort of stash and see how this all plays out. I mean, Marquise Lee, when he was healthy, was the number one receiver there, uh, but he's coming back from injury as well, so they're not sure he's going to be available uh at the start of training camp. So he's kind of one of these guys we're going to have to keep monitoring. He's he, he comes up pretty high in our projections. I've moved him down a bit since this Conley stuff has happened. And they, they talked about Lee not making um, uh, the preseason uh, training camp. So, um, but he's a guy he could have at the very end of the draft as well. And really one of the most talented receivers there, if not the most, arguably the most talented receiver there in that, in that receiving core. Uh, any any other values that you're seeing? I know you just kind of talked about some of those Jacksonville wide receivers. I feel like every single year the, the Jaguars have some wide receiver that uh, people fall in love with because of the skill set or maybe they're falling later in the draft. Uh, I know you touched on some of those guys. Any other value? Well, DJ Chark is also getting some rave reviews, uh, looking good. Uh, Keelan Cole obviously was kind of a hyper hype sleeper last year. I think I fell into that trap, and it didn't pan out. Um so this is really a receiving core that's pretty deep, and there isn't a clear number one. Uh, I think if Lee's out there, you're looking at Westbrook and Lee probably seeing the most targets, but Conley could you know, easily uh, change the scenery, might easily help him if Foles is taking a shine to him. So this is going to be one interesting one to watch in the preseason to see who's starting, who's playing all the snaps, and who's getting the targets. 
All right, moving on to the AFC West. The big question in Kansas City is how many games will Tyreek Hill play, if any, but we discussed that on a recent pod. So let's discuss the players that have been in camp. Is it going to be Damian Williams as the lead back, or will or, or will Carlos Hyde end up as the RB1? Uh, I was reading some uh, beat writer blurbs about uh, the Chiefs, and the quote I pulled was that Damian um, Damian Williams is going to have every opportunity to win the RB1 job, and I think he's talented enough to hold off Carlos Hyde. I think Hyde's okay. Um, I think Hyde has not been very good the last couple of years, so you wonder how much he has left. Um, but capable if in this offense of pushing Williams. But I think I think the competition's probably good for Williams. Williams was so productive last year in that whatever five or six game stretch that I think he showed that he maybe his the start of his career didn't go as well as it should have. Uh, I don't think it's I don't look at him as a journeyman that has never proven that he can do it, so therefore he can't do it. I look at him as a journeyman maybe didn't have the chance to be the lead back and then showed last year in this great offense that he can do everything that Andy Reid asked him to do. So heading into OTAs, all the comments from the running back coach have been positive. Damian Williams is a starter. So I think that's what we're going to see. I think he's a, a good pick in the third round. If Hill does play, then the offense will obviously look much better, or at least what it did a year ago. If he's out, how do the Chiefs replace him? Well, I think they drafted Mecole Hardman for, or Hardman for that reason. He He's kind of a Tyree Kill clone in, in terms of how he plays. Uh, is he as good as Hill? Probably not, but he can run a lot of those same routes because he's so fast. Uh and stretch stretch the defense in the same way that Hill did. Uh, so I think he's certainly if Hill's out, he's a sleeper that really could produce for you. Uh, Sammy Watkins would get a big bump into like wide receiver two territory if he could stay healthy. Uh, right now he's being drafted sort of as a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. People don't know what to do with him with with Hill, uh, his situation up in the air. But when he was playing last year he was producing at wide receiver three levels so it's not too you know you're, you're looking at him as okay I, I draft him at the end of the wide receiver two rankings top of the wide receiver three rankings he produces a wide receiver three with hill last year so i'm not paying too much of a premium right now and then i get maybe a low-end wide receiver one if hill is out and then i think travis kelsey is just a super safe pick even if hill's back he's still going to produce likely to produce tight end one numbers I see, him, I see him going in the middle of the first round now. Uh, sometimes he goes in the middle of the second, late second. Uh, but I think, you know, with, given the way the tight end position is sitting right now with the top three guys and then another tier, there's, there's a lot of value there with those top three guys, especially Kelsey and George Kittle, in my opinion. I think Ertz is a little bit. But we're not talking about the NFC East, are we, today? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kelsey is worth it. I think he's the safest of those three. And he's really going to have a strong, strong season, I think, if Hill's out. All right, let's move on to the Chargers. Phillip Rivers once again looked like a value play at quarterback, but Tyrell Williams and Antonio Gates are no longer on the roster. Who benefits here? Well, Tyrell Williams got a lot of air yards last year, a lot of targets. Um, was kind of a thorn, I guess, in Mike Williams' side, but Mike Williams started to come on. Showed a lot of uh, upside, especially in the red zone, so... With with Gates and all those red zone targets going away, I think he and uh, Hunter Henry are kind of fighting over those. 
Uh, I think there's room for both these guys to have a really good season. And I think Malik Williams has quite a bit of upside as a low-end wide receiver two. High-end wide receiver three is where he's being drafted right now. He's kind of being drafted with uh, Calvin Ridley in that group, Tyler Boyd, uh, etc. I think Hunter Henry is, if I don't get one of the top three uh, tight ends, I'm really looking at adding him in the fifth, sixth round. Uh, I just missed out on him in the sixth round. Um, And then I was staring at a certain someone we're going to talk about a little bit later and decided to pass on him. Um, But I think Hunter Henry in the fifth, sixth round is a nice value. This offense is always favored the tight end position and Henry when he's been healthy has been excellent and with with Gates gone I think he'll have the breakout season that we thought he was going to have last year. In Denver the backfield and receiving core both in flux. Philip Lindsay beat out Royce Freeman early last year then never looked back but he's sitting out OTAs as he recovers from a wrist from wrist surgery and there have been rumblings that the Broncos are going to scale back his workload and then thus give Freeman more carries. What do you think about this situation? Any concern about Lindsay? Yeah, Lindsay, I had to move him down a bit based on the wrist injury and the, the the vibe I'm getting from the beat writers there that make it sound like Freeman is going to have a larger role. And one one went so far to, as to say that Freeman was going to out have more carries, out carry uh, Philip Lindsay. So that got me a little bit worried. Lindsay was really productive last year. I mean, the other thing that's th- you know kind of baked into all this is that they used a much higher draft pick on Freeman. Lindsay was a undrafted I believe so they they want the Freeman pick to work out and they want him to contribute um, so they're probably looking for reasons to give him the ball uh, and with Lindsay sitting out of OTAs they're getting a lot he's getting a lot of work getting a lot of reps in camp so I'm a little bit worried about this to be honest with Lindsay I think he sh- should be the most um, valuable running back in this backfield he should have the best year uh, but uh, there's definitely some alarm bells going off in my head in the receiving core, you have Emmanuel Sanders, who's recovering from an Achilles tear and is on track for camp. Meanwhile, Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton are, are holding down the fort. Who's the best and who's the best value in Denver when you look at those wide receivers? Well, it's it's, it's interesting based on the drafts that I've been in. There's one, I think there's one draft where they all three of them went in the same round, uh, seventh, eighth round, or something like that, which was kind of crazy. Uh, I think people are looking at Emmanuel Sanders and wondering if he's ever going to be the player that he was uh, given the Achilles tear. He's apparently on schedule, uh, but we don't have a long list of guys that have come back strong from an Achilles tear. Uh, So I think everybody's worried about that. And if he's out or struggling to play or is missing games or whatever, then you're looking at uh, Cortland Sutton and and Hamilton as the top two. And then I guess Tim Patrick would be the third receiver there. Uh, Hamilton's more of a slot guy. I could see if Sanders out that both Sutton and Hamilton are producing and maybe even Hamilton is out producing Sutton because Sutton had his chance really to produce a lot last year. And I wouldn't say fell on his face, but didn't take off like we were hoping. Um, so you look at Sutton and Hamilton, if, they, if those are the only two healthy receivers there, uh, along with Tim Patrick and Sanders is out, uh, Hamilton could actually outproduce him, I think. And that gets interesting. I think Sutton is the prototypical wide receiver one uh, but Hamilton's the slot guy that can create space and ends up soaking up a lot of targets we've seen this before uh, in New England and other places so uh, who's the best value in Denver I think it depends on your draft and what's what's happening whoever's the third guy off the board is probably the the best value and I would say that I am worried about Sanders and that and that Achilles I think I was higher on him but then I started reading about that injury and 
Um, what's, I mean, I've always been an Emmanuel Sanders fan, um, and he is cutting. Uh, he is running. Uh, he's getting ready, trying to get ready for camp. Uh, just going to kind of keep my ear to the ground to see where he's at. If he's playing, I, I don't see a clear favorite here for targets. Finally, the Raiders. We'll get to see John Gruden and company on Hard Knocks, which should be entertaining television, to say the least. Antonio Brown should get peppered with targets. But who will the number two option be? Is that Tyrell Williams, who we just mentioned with the Chargers, uh, who joined Oakland? Do you think that he's going to be a fantasy starter? Yeah, Tyrell is, I noticed in my drafts, this is, this is the time of the year when I do a lot of mock drafts. I do a lot of best balls. And I use Draft Analyzer, and I'm seeing who is – popping up as value picks and who's there that is there longer. And then I look at their ADP and I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to tweak my rankings based on who I end up taking at that pick. And Tyrell's a guy who's available very late, uh, but they went out and got him. Obviously, Jordy Nelson is gone. Uh, Antonio Brown probably will see double-digit targets every game this year if he's if he's healthy. Uh, but Tyrell should benefit from that um, and be that number two option. I, I think he's, a, especially in best ball, because he's kind of a deep ball player, uh, he's going to have some big games for you. Maybe on a week-to-week basis, we can't count on him. Um, but in best ball, I think he's like a Ted Ted Ginn type player where he's going to have some, you know, he might have six huge games for you. Um, so fantasy starter, I don't know if I would describe him that way in a re- regular redraft league where you have to have to make that decision. I, I don't mind adding him as a wide receiver five, wide receiver six to see how things pan out if his passing offense takes off a little bit. I don't know that it has enough punch to it to support two fantasy starters at the receiver position, but it's possible. Josh Jacobs figures to see the lion's share of the touches, but will he be the bell cow with top five upside? It depends on what Gruden wants to do with Jalen Richard and and Doug Martin, I guess. Uh, I don't see Doug Martin as a huge threat to Jacobs in terms of the carries, but maybe they limit Jacobs' touches a little bit, uh, you know, keep him in that 12 to 17 range as opposed to the 15 to 20 plus range that a lot of the bell cows play at. Uh, so, and then whether or not Jacobs can beat out Richard and say, I need to be on the field. I should be on the field on third downs because Richard has been pretty effective in that role. All right. We have to mention Jared cook. I've never seen a contract with four but I'd imagine that Jared cook uh, needs to be mentioned in every podcast. It's probably somewhere in, in whatever contract we sign, John, who's going to replace him. Yeah, he was the guy I was staring at. Uh, he's been getting some buzz anyway. Jared Cook has been, we talked about the Saints, but he's been getting some buzz in, in New Orleans. I love talking about Jared Cook. And uh, he's he's a, he's starting to he's starting to get me interested in him again. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, but back in back in Oakland, a lot, of, a lot of a name that a lot of people probably don't know, Darren Waller has been stepping into the starting role there, or is stepping into the starting role there. Very good athlete. He's not as good as Jared Cook. I mean, who is really, but, uh, he's, he's going to have, I think he's another late round best ball type player, maybe a late round tight end two, uh, or a big, big draft tight end three where you have him stashed there. And all of a sudden he takes off and he turns in like high end tight end two type numbers for you. Fantasy tight end two type numbers. I think Waller is a definitely a sleeper. The, the buzz has been pretty consistent. And then I think we get into hard knocks that's going to be interesting to see how his stock rises in hard knocks because if he's one of the featured players there and he's making plays in practice, we've seen it before with hard knocks that those guys get a lot of buzz and end up their ADPs end up rising because uh, 
a subsection of the fantasy community is watching one team and seeing all the hype generated around certain players. So we might see the, the hard knocks effect on Darren Waller this year. That's it. That'll do it for John Paulson and Anthony Stalter. We'll be back in late July or early August. Greg Smith, who we introduced a couple of pods ago, will be posting podcasts over the next few weeks, and we might pop in for a pod or two if the news requires it. But otherwise, we'll be back later in the summer to get you ready for your fantasy drafts. Don't forget about that early bird pricing. It ends in just a few days. It ends at the the end of June. 17 to 20% off your the subscription that you choose. You also get a free $35 coupon for any league at FFPC. You can join one of their $35 best ball leagues or one of their biggest money leagues. And considering the cheapest plan at 4 for 4 is 24 bucks, really a no-brainer to sign up. So make sure you jump on that right now. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. Please come on, boys, won't you let me take you home?